Hello, and welcome back to Vox Popcast, the weekly pseudo-acronym roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am not once again here with my co-hosts, because none of them are here, because I'm doing something special this week. It's a little different than normal. Um, less drinking, probably less swearing. This is, um, this week I am working, yeah, I guess I'm working, it's, it's extracurricular for my job. I am working at, with a group of students who, at the University of Pittsburgh, who do this thing every year called Games for Social Impact. It is a game jam where they build socially conscious games based on a random theme. And I guess I am mentoring slash advising slash making sure nobody burns the building down. And I am here with lots of students, but first I want to introduce one of my colleagues who is, I guess you're organizing this? <laughs> yeah, fair? I'm a co-organizer. Okay. This Don't is, put it all on me. This is Dr. Jessica Fitzpatrick. This is the person who has the office two doors down from mine. So, welcome. It's so nice <laughs> to see you outside of the hallway. Yes. <laughs> all right. So, where are we? What are we doing? So, we are currently in a very cold building on this campus. <laughs> Um, because they have refused to turn on the furnace yet this fall. So we're in an information science building. It has these wonderful kind of concrete grid ceilings, a general open concept floor plan, and some side like kitchenette and classrooms. And we took over the whole third floor and we are running a game jam. Mm -hmm. Um, It started Friday evening at six o'clock PM and it's going to end uh, phase one will end at noon on Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's when the students have to actually submit the games that they are building. And for reference, as we record right now, it is 2.30 on Saturday. So they've been Thank going you. not quite 24 hours. Yeah. Um, and they have about 24 hours left. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, you know, we give them food. We give them caffeine. <laughs> uh, I'm assuming probably around midnight there will be a candy raid. Uh, and we give them the space and some support so that way they can make tabletop and digital games. Mm-hmm. Uh, last night was really fun. Uh, we introduced the rules of the game jam. We revealed this year's surprise theme, which is going to be the theme of revision. And people can use that however they want. I've been walking around and seeing people like brainstorming alternative definitions for what that might mean and how it might impact different elements of our lived existence. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of the where we are. Um, now, I think where we are also deals with who, who we're dealing <laughs> with. So, so we're at Pitt, but we see... Uh, so far, I've seen a lot of digital narrative and interactive design students. Which is the program that Fitz and I work at. We work for the English department at the University of Pittsburgh. Um, and through very, very complicated means, we work for a specific program that is jointly owned by the English department and the computer science department. So called the Digital Narrative and Interactive Design. Um, not department, I guess. It's a program. program. Yes. It's a program. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Which is weird. And the distinctions of which... Are are probably wholly uninteresting to anyone listening to this and pretty much most of the students in the major it's literally just administrative garbage (laughs) but the point is we work for the english department and then there are other people here who work for the computer science department and so very much uh, i I think socially conscious gaming is probably a very fair thing that our students tend to be interested in yeah so yeah it, it asks those humanities style questions while using computer science and information science technical skills right right so that's that's kind of what's in the air 
better as you walk around here. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that and like leftover bags of Cheetos from lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which, which that's the nice thing about doing the mentors. We don't have to do anything. I don't have to build anything, but I get free food as well. So that's what we're, so we are sitting here and I thought for the show this week, we would investigate some of what the students are doing. I'm going to go through and interview various students and have them tell us about their games mm-hmm. and what they're building. But can you tell me, me, them? You, it's always weird. You, it's a it's weird thing about podcasting. It's like, I'm going to ask a question that I know the answer to, right. um, which happens every week. If you ever hear me ask a dumb question on the show, I'm just doing it for you guys at home. It's not, I'm not really dumb. It's That's all performative. Let, let's, let's believe that. Only um, performance. So what is socially conscious gaming? Socially conscious gaming uh, can be both a specific movement if we think about things like Games for Change and different organizations that explicitly set forth to find funding and promote game design that operates in a socially conscious way. It can also just be a mode Mm -hmm. of thinking about games and how they work in our communities and the world around us. So this game jam started off as a, a, as a facet of socially conscious gaming. A lot of socially conscious games. If you look at like historical examples, you'll see a lot dealing with healthcare. Mm -hmm. You'll see a lot dealing with governance. um, And you'll see a lot dealing with education. I think those are, from my standpoint, kind of the three main arenas, but they can really be used in a bunch of different ways. What it means is that you as a game designer and developer are thinking about your game not only as being a game that's going to be played by people. Mm -hmm. You don't want to make an artifact (laughs) that isn't playable, that people hate dealing with, um, but also that is going to go forth and have an impact in the world and get people to either raise awareness or learn new elements or consider new things or maybe encourage activist positions and stances. There's lots of different ways you can have an impact socially, Mm -hmm. but you are making a game that will help support or cause some form of change. So socially conscious gaming um, really has to do with kind of the ethics and values of the people making the games and where they see their audience playing the games. Cool. And so the way this particular jam works is... Uh, the actual topic was chosen yesterday. Yes. Completely at random. And well, very completely at random from a pre-chosen list. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, and it's a similar list to the one that we used last year for the Game Jam. Because, mm-hmm. of course, we only chose one theme last year right. as well. So last you... year's theme was Ruin. Mm-hmm. This year's theme was Revision. Apparently, the randomizer really likes mm-hmm. ours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, and uh, I'm not going to tell you the other things on that list. Because it'd be like, sure. We might, we might <laughs> yeah. use them. We really like them. Mm-hmm. Um. So everybody has to do things with the theme. Mm-hmm. Now, you're going to talk to everybody about what they're making for this year. So I'm not going to, mm-hmm. you know, go into that. But I'll say last year, the theme of Ruin, we had teams who thought about it in an archaeology sense, right? Civilizations and empires that have fallen. Mm-hmm. We have we had teams who thought about it um, in terms of forest fires and the way that it actually jumpstarts different e- ecological systems. Mm-hmm. So what looks like a ruin might actually be a way to restore Right. Um, we had people who made very specific, very smart and smarmy commentary about school funding. Uh, they had kids <laughs> running with backpacks like run, get the dollar, fund your public school because okay. we don't give enough money. Uh, so they were talking about the education system being a ruin site. Mm-hmm. Um we had tabletop games. We had digital games. So this year it's revision and 
have, we're both in the English department. Right. So I think it's going to be really fascinating. Really, yeah. And I, I've not, so I've not talked to anybody yet because yeah. I don't want to, I, well, I have, I've walked around, but I don't know specifically what anybody's building yet. So it's going to be very much a surprise for me when I go talk to them. Yeah. Um, you've seen some of them already. I've seen some of them already. I'm excited about it. I don't mm-hmm. want to, I don't want to write anything. I'll say it looks like, uh, in terms of format, right? Because mm-hmm. I like that we do both digital and tabletop. Oh yeah, we should, yeah. I guess we never said that. So it's right. not a. This is not necessarily video games. Right. It's games. games. Now we are working with a bunch of nerds, um, right. ourselves included, nerds, <laughs> like computer science information, right. kids, coder so, kids. So a lot of them are, or the majority of them are, are video games. Yeah, is, is anybody doing tabletop or, um, I know of, uh, I believe we have at least one group who's sticking with their tabletop. We had a couple early on who mm-hmm. thought they were tabletopping and now some of them have shifted into, this okay. is a chance to use the game engine unity. And I want to mm-hmm. learn that skill, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, props to them, but at least a couple of them, I've seen some like paper prototyping mm-hmm. happening. Okay. I'm excited about cards. Cool. Um, yeah. I, and I guess you could do a mix of absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to look, wander around, and talk to people and find out what they're building. And then tomorrow, I guess someone wins. Not so. just someone, Matt. We have multiple <laughs> award categories, um, and you can be on teams of up to five students. So we mm-hmm. have awards for things like best narrative design, best technical design. We also have a mm-hmm. judging panel. Matt's one of our judges. Mm-hmm. Uh, a judging panel, like best award. But we also, last year is the first year we started a Jammer's Choice. Mm-hmm. So that means anybody who's taking part in the Game Jam gets to vote for the game that they think is the best. And where can people see the games when they're done, or can they? They can. It's totally public, mm-hmm. um, although you do need internet access. So all of the games, even the tabletop ones, are going to be submitted through itch.io. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can give you that full website. Maybe you can link out to us. It'll be linked in the show notes, yes. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the tabletop games, you'll probably see reference pictures yes. and descriptions. The digital games, the files will be available. Ooh, cool. Yeah. So, so that's what we're doing. And is there anything else you want to add before I... Food is important. Okay. Like I, I just, I just want to dwell for a minute about how breakfast, lunch, and dinner really brings a community together. It's a nice moment. It is. I mean, so last night everyone went home. Yes, and then, you got kicked out of the building. Right, and yeah. then they. Well, I got here later, but you guys got here at like eight a.m. <laughs> yeah, this morning. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The building opened at eight. We were here. Um, there were bagels. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's currently like two forty yeah. when we're recording. So yeah. we've we've been in it, and the building is not closing tonight. Right. So they will do around the clock and be here coding or drawing or writing. It's actually pretty fun. And I will be right back with talking to some of the students. Woohoo! Okay, so now I'm going to talk to some of the team. So tell me who you all are. Hi, my name is Sean O'Rourke. I am one of the artists uh, for Team 2, technically, um, the Crunch Time team and or the Spore team. Uh, I'm Ari. Uh, I'm one of the pro- primary, one of the programmers. Okay. Uh, my name's Thor and I'm Eric. Eric. And my name is Sam and I'm also a programmer. Okay. So why are you the Spore team? And I know this, I know <laughs> the answer because I walked in on this during the um, beginning yesterday. So tell me about it. What What is the Spore team? So basically while we were coming up for a theme for our game, um, the th- or of course the theme for the jam is revision. And we, one of the things we brought up was that evolution in real life is basically just uh, a revision of past like iterations of a species, mm-hmm. uh, which we then became, or we then found ourselves on the topic of the game Spore 
which is game. all about pre-existing game. Yes, pre-existing game all about uh, continuously evolving something into a, n- a new species. And somebody had brought up the joke of that um, in real life evolution, like millions of years in the future, like everything eventually evolves to become a crab. Okay, why a crab? Uh, I'm not sure. It's just an it's an online joke from somewhere, and we all thought it was really really funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that just put us down a rabbit hole of making jokes about how every single game aspires to be spore. Okay. <laughs> and so so your game is now are you recreating spore or are you our game was completely okay. different. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. What is your what is your game basically? Um yeah, either or um I can kind of do a little summary of it. Basically, um working title crunch time is about developing a game mm-hmm. on a crunch time basis, which <laughs> is kind of funny because that's exactly what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, boom. Yeah, you've got I didn't actually do the math. It's not quite forty eight hours through the it entire just under 40 it's like 46 or something, something like 44 I, but yeah it's basically two days to, to yeah. break, start to finish mm-hmm. um, and so the purpose of our game is as Sean said we're developers for a company making a game on some kind of short time frame mm-hmm. and we're kind of going for a um, sort of a micro game kind of gameplay so mm-hmm. we have a computer monitor at your desk that you play at uh, it's a static 2D game so you're not really moving anywhere and um, basically micro games like little mini games pop up on your screen and you have to complete objectives mm-hmm. and you need to do a certain amount of those in a day and if you don't do enough of them in a day, well, then you start to have actual repercussions on the side of your own personal mental state. With Okay. And so uh, it becomes like, oh, well, how many of these can I complete in a day? And what kind of repercussions will that have if I choose to work overtime or if I choose to work without breaks? Okay. So I'm looking at your whiteboard prototype. Are there ways to improve your mental state once it starts going down? Can you take breaks? Can you go and like yeah. go to dinner? Can you? <laughs> That's exactly it. So um, basically the social impact part of our game, you know, one saying the name uh, revision, you're constantly revising this game. And also we have a lot of revising jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, the social impact part is uh, something that hits very close to home for a lot of us is that you love working on something and your entire life is tied to your work, but you need, you are human and you need to take breaks. Mm-hmm. So um, one thing is we have about three different types of breaks. Um, so you can go home, for instance, Okay. where pretty simply, um, you know, the clock hits the end of the workday, but you have to choose to go home. Mm-hmm. You can work overtime if you want, okay. but um, then you're not going home. You're not sleeping. You're not resting. Another thing is um, kind of the shorter end of the scale um, where like, for instance, you go to the bathroom. Wow. Crazy. Um, but the thing is, I really, uh, you know, we really want to emphasize that just going to the bathroom isn't a true like break to let your brain, you know, breathe. Right. And so uh, there's another type of break where you can like take a walk outside for about 20 minutes or you can, you know, like go and talk to a coworker. You can clean your desk. You <laughs> can... Um, I don't know. Clean your desk is not really stressed. That's the most stressful thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so maybe that shouldn't be one. But Uh, one thing it It might just be me. (laughs) You know, some type of break. We're going to have one thing where your life can just get to complete hell and your entire desk is cluttered with stuff and your vision is starting to fog and go off kilter. (laughs) Um, You know, and your eyes are turning red um, and your cursor is moving slow because, you know, time's just zooming by you. 
Um, so yeah, really, we're trying to emphasize uh, the importance of no matter how much you want to get you know work done, you can work more efficiently if you do take those breaks and you do take care of yourself. Pretty cool. And I like that you guys have you know you've whiteboarded out the, the entire interface. I assume because I'm looking at your your visual design on your yeah. tablet and I'm looking at the whiteboard. This is very cool. So good luck. Don't want to interrupt too much, but good luck. Um, how do you feel about it? Do you feel like you guys are going to get done in time? Uh, the fun is that we don't know. <laughs> You've crunched up. Yeah. You truly don't know until the end. <laughs> well, I mean, at, at, at some point, you know, like literally you're doing the process. I mean, your game is doing this process, right? So like at some point you, you'll, you'll get up and take a walk or something. <laughs> I think, I think we're on a very good track to get a lot of the things that we want to get done in this game. Very cool. Very cool. I look forward to seeing it. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And this time I am here with Pat Healy. Pat is a PhD student, so you're not actively taking part in the jam. You're more of an organizer. Yep. Like Fitz's. So how how did you get involved in all this? Um, so the, the jam started when I was still an undergrad at Pitt. So I uh, was was did my undergrad here and then immediately went from the undergrad to uh, to the PhD still here. So I've seen this event in, in kind of all of its growing stages. Um, back whenever it was Games for Health, mm-hmm. um, I participated. Oh, that's the original name. Uh, Fitz didn't mention that. So yeah. it used to be, it's a socially conscious and now it's officially called Games for Social Impact. Yeah. But it was originally Games for Health and it, they just didn't want necessarily all the themes to be health related. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, like the, the themes uh, are, are kind of more attached to how the event has been funded than mm-hmm. it is to like what our goals of the event are, to, 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 to be honest. Um, but yeah, so previous it was uh, totally health related stuff uh, I, I uh, the, even the first year that I participated when it was still Games for Health they even though it was called Games for Health they were accepting things that were across the, the whole field of what we call you know Games for Change that mm-hmm. sort of thing Games for Social Impact so like they were like I remember even that year there were games for things on things like uh uh, like human trafficking, mm-hmm. like there, there, there are games about that. Which uh, technically, you know, one can make an argument that that's health related. There's, health, but there's a health element. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 obviously, there was, we were talking more about the social component of it mm-hmm. in those games. Um, so yeah, I participated then as an undergrad, um, and then I ended up uh, sticking around a pit for my PhD. And uh, Dimitri, who uh, basically runs the event and ran the event, then started the event uh, as my advisor. So I uh, stuck around as kind of the the, the grad student who, you know, I do research primarily in serious games, so mm-hmm. very clear content overlap with the event um, and kind of moved into an advisory role. I did participate once still as a grad student, um, but I felt a little weird about it because it kind of felt like I uh, was it, it was a little unfair. <laughs> well, I mean, so yeah. you, you are I mean, you are. A grad student, you're a doctoral student. You're in yeah. a PhD program, mm-hmm. literally working on this stuff yeah, every day. Yeah, exactly. And competing against And, and I thought it was more useful, like seeing this as like an event that the goal of it's to like grow the community mm-hmm. of of people who do uh, research with games at Pitt, like to be in more of an advisory role where I can go around and just like you know bump my head into whatever anyone else is working on and be like, okay, here are some things you can do. Here, here's things I've learned from things in the past. Whereas like the one time I did participate as a grad student, I I made two games in the same jam because I was just like I can do that and then I did by so, yourself yeah <laughs> yeah well I made one purely by myself and then I, I basically helped out uh it was like me and two uh 
two students that I knew through the game design course mm-hmm. right, that I was basically TAing at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like me helping out my students, but also playing a pretty major role. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were both, I'm, I'm pretty happy with both those games, uh, you know, but the, it was, it was an insane experience to make two games in like, you know, 36 hours. <laughs> well, but, but now, I mean, so, and we'll talk about, it. I want to talk a little bit about your, your introduction game, but you are working essentially as faculty advisor here, even though technically, I guess you're a student, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, you are certainly an organizer in the advisory roles. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you see this working as, is this like just fun or do you think it more as recruiting towards like the methodology uh, or the ideology or you know, yeah. what's the purpose of this for you? Cause you said you, not, it's not just, I mean, unfair, like you could win, but also like yeah. you seem to be enjoying the actual advisor. Yeah, role. yeah, yeah. I, de- I definitely have fun with it. And like, yeah, I can definitely talk about like how I kind of choose to host the, the jam uh, mm-hmm. with the opening ceremony. But yeah, I, I think like the goal of this jam to me has always been to try to expand the community. Um, just just because like if we can get more and more people to participate in this thing and maybe we put out projects that impress some people, mm-hmm. we can kind of kind of leverage that to uh, expand you know how sky sees uh series sky games is, and, um, uh school of computing information mm-hmm. my you know it's what the computer yeah. it's what pit calls our computer science yeah yeah school. so it's like if we can impress our bosses they'll give us more money kind of thing <laughs> in, in some ways like it's like we i, I think me and demetri are definitely pretty invested in wanting to expand this program i mean there's some other you know there aren't that many other phd students who work on games here mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately like I, I run into them every once in a while but for the most part like i my peers in information science Science, do related systems but they don't do serious games so mm-hmm. they, they do things like social computing they look at social networks they look at um some you know some elements of hci maybe but they aren't like strictly serious games researchers in the way i am mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty set on those sorts of tools and if we're going to expand that we need to you know build community so that we can impress people so that we can get money to fund bigger you know bigger things bring in more students um and and this is just like you know one one step in that sort of process you and Dimitri, he's not here right now, but Dimitri is your advisor, your boss, he's a, uh, he's a faculty member here, but you both tend to say serious gaming instead of socially conscious gaming. Why? Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not really satisfied with like any one term we use. Like I think like serious games, I know has had like a backlash in the past, you know, it, that was, it was kind of the popular term to use in like 2005 and then mm-hmm. Ian Bogost wrote persuasive games and kind of killed the term, but then <laughs> some of us kept using it and you know, like I, I think there's, um, like I said, there's an argument against any of these ones. Mm-hmm. Like I think um, to honestly label them as like a strict category is just like incorrect. Usually, <laughs> like uh, like if we if we say it like based on intention. Maybe it makes sense to have serious games. So serious games is like games that are intended for something other than uh, education. Mm-hmm. That that's the way I kind of tend to think of serious games, and that feels right to me. Whereas like social conscious games, let's say, just feels like a game that you know intends to be respectful <laughs> or you know intends to be to, 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 to take into account something like that. Um, but really, like I I think games that do interesting things like this don't necessarily have to come from intention. Like mm-hmm. I, I think games can totally accident teach you things or, or something like that like i think there's a there's a wider world than just uh the things we call serious games and i think by you know, trying to understand those other things we we have more interesting research 
Um, I, I, I also find, uh, like, in terms of community building, I I feel like uh, we, we kind of have this double-edged sword as branding this as a serious games jam, uh, just because, like, you might attract fewer people if they assume that, like, they can only make something that is engaging with some kind of serious topic, whereas from a community building perspective, it might actually be more useful if we just kind of let anyone come here, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anyone who wants to make a game basically, you know, treat this like global game jam or, or one of these other big game jams that, that you know, have uh, global game jams, obviously global. It's not just a Pittsburgh thing, but there's right. a very large Pittsburgh chapter of global game jam. So, yeah, um, that was kind of answered to separate questions, one of which you probably didn't really ask. No, but, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, basically, I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not totally sold on the use of serious game. I, I think in some ways transformational game is actually a better term. That's more of like shell games term for it. Mm-hmm. Um, also local, but um, serious games easy. It kind of says what it does yeah. in a way that doesn't require extra explanation. So, but you would argue that the point of this event, our event, so, and I think it's very aptly named Games for Social Impact, which, mm-hmm. you know, that's, I mean, is it catchy? I don't know, but it tells what it does, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you would argue that how does this differ from, you know, so lots of games have a social element to them, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be pretty difficult to make a game that didn't have a social impact you know, measured small, maybe, <laughs> but you know, like, like, like all games engage in culture mm-hmm. in some way. All games have some kind of political element or social element or, or something like that. Like there's, it'd be impossible to make a game that wasn't as for social impact, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, obviously we're, we're kind of getting very strict with that definition. I think here in how we tend to encourage people to make certain kinds of games. So this event starts <laughs> with uh, a ceremony that tells all the rules yeah. and the topic is chosen essentially by a computer, but yeah. also with a human element. Like, yeah. so, and you wrote that game. You want to tell people a little bit? Yeah. About yeah. It? Yeah. So um, at the, at the opening ceremony, you know, after I, um, so I, I did the keynote as well this year, which normally I don't do, but our keynote speaker, I believe was sick. <laughs> so I had to last minute throw together a thing about, you know, talking about different kinds of serious games and games for impact, social impact and all that. Um, so the end of that ceremony is the theme reveal, which like a lot of game jams, we give like a one word or one phrase theme. And that theme is supposed to, you know, uh, give a constraint through which creativity can come out of. That's, uh, the, the themes are always pretty, uh, you know, not very specific. They're vague. Yeah, they're vague. They're, they're not meant to like specifically be of content. Like it's not like we're like. And this year, I, I know my, my example from the, the presentation was like, we don't give themes that are like this year, everyone's going to make games to cure depression. Like that's, that's just not, that's not the kind of thing we, we want because we want a, a nice diversity of, of subject matter. So this year's theme ended up being uh, revision, mm-hmm. uh, which obviously is a, a term that we can interpret in tons of different ways, yeah. which is totally on purpose. That was selected at random from a list of about, I think, 35 or 40 themes mm-hmm. that the organizer had assembled. Um, and it's randomly selected uh, by a video game that I made. Uh, so each year I started this last year where I make a game that I take a, a, a volunteer from the audience and they played through this game. And then at the end of the game, which it's is a VR of, game. Is it, so the this game year is a VR game. Oh, okay. Yeah. Last year it wasn't. Okay. <laughs> this year it is um, through through like this series of little vignettes and kind of uh bizarre sequences eventually the theme is revealed um each year i i tend to 
you kind of assemble it based on what random assets I've been playing with recently. Mm -hmm. So I happened this year to be uh, working with a lot of uh, VR interaction, specifically like hand interactions, just because I've been working on a VR surgeon simulation for mm-hmm. another project. So it's like, so you had the code available. I had, I had the code available for a lot of these, <laughs> like you know, VR interacting th- with things with your hands, pulling on stuff. Um, so I was just like, okay, I'm gonna just see what assets I have and assemble some kind of thought provoking, uh, you know, VR uh, puzzle ish game. Uh, so the game you know starts with you're on a train um and that just seemed like a very kind of serene experience um it's it's meant to be like okay here are some creative things that i feel like maybe some people who are at this gym might be able to implement themselves so that train for example has an infinitely scrolling background Mm -hmm. that is a thing that technically i think anyone here who's working in unity could figure out how to do Mm -hmm. Um, i want to share some of that code with some people later today actually um, just to see like you know the the point of that intro game is basically to inspire people but it's also like it's intentionally pretty uh weird and silly yeah. yeah yeah it's a very silly game it's a very um like this one had uh, straight up like a rule, rules of three comedy thing of Tilda Swinton. Yes. Where there's, you're introduced to Tilda Swinton on the on the train. Uh, she comes back up as basically a jump scare when you open a door and it's just Tilda Swinton standing there. And then, of course, like the, the payoff of that being uh, the end of the game sees the player have to shoot a basketball into a hoop. And once the basketball gets to the hoop, you know that the, the theme will be revealed until the Switten shows up to block your basketball. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's a very kind of surreal experience, but, but the point is to have like a bunch of different interactions that all kind of work in different ways, maybe have different kinds of puzzle mechanics just to be like, okay, here are some possible things you could implement quickly mm-hmm. that, that'd be, you know, okay. thought provoking. So in that particular game, so you have, Tillerson doesn't just show up to block your basketball. Yeah. In order to win the game and reveal the theme, it's true. you yeah. have to kill Tillerson. Yeah, you do have to, which I would say, having seen, actually, specifically, you have to decapitate Tillerson. Yes. You have a which, sword and you have to decapitate yeah, Tillerson. Which was which, definitely inspired by uh, 2018 Suspiria. Okay. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but, but given yeah. that the theme was social impact, yes, yes. <laughs> the socially conscious thing to do here yeah. is killing Tillerson. Yeah. It was well, delightful, by the way. I'm a yeah, fan. Yeah. <laughs> They, they Tilda Swinton fan over here. And I, I like to think that in the, the video game version of Tilda Swinton did survive the decapitation, I think. Ah. So she's, she's, well, she is still smiling. After. She is still smiling after. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and I, I, so, and you have, to, you have to decapitate her and then she no longer blocks your basketball shots. I felt, and I told you afterwards, I felt as though you shouldn't have been able to win the game by making the basket. You yeah. should have had to shoot her head through yep, the. Yep. And that was the thing the I just didn't think about at all. <laughs> I mean, you know, th- this game and like when I did this last year as well like i basically have a mini game jam to myself two days before the gym <laughs> so like this was almost completely developed like thursday night awesome <laughs> i finished at like 7 a.m <laughs> took a nap got back up and was like okay time to go present for this jam again <laughs> um which it worked out you know there were there were no major bugs luckily except the giant spider i guess that was a major bug oh was um, it? <laughs> well no he is a bug. oh it's a bug okay there was, actually was also I, I meant i meant to have it so the sword would kill the spider and that it didn't work but whatever oh. i just forgot to attach a script and it's like okay no it's it, it still works i mean the spider not dying does not affect the game so exactly yeah it's not a it's not part of the puzzle it's just would have felt satisfying probably 
That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So are you, I mean, is it, I mean, you have had a chance to like sort of wander around and and see people. Are are you happy with how it's going? People seem. Yeah. So far. Uh, I mean, you know, still, still early by, you know, game jam standards. Mm -hmm. We have have another 20 ish hours or something like that. I think a little more than that before they have to submit. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm expecting, you know, more, uh, well, okay. We probably have like ideas for games are all set in stone now. Yeah. And one would hope. Yeah. One, one would hope. Um, and those seem, you know, pretty, pretty promising. Um, I, I, I've seen a good mix of, of digital and, um, and analog tools. A lot of, a lot of tabletop games, which last year was, was kind of the, the first year that that became more of a presence here, which was mm-hmm. cool. Um, you know, the win, the judge's choice winner last year was, uh, was a tabletop game. And I think a couple of the other like runner ups and stuff were as well. So you know, it's it's nice to see that mix. It's nice to see people taking on uh, problem domains that that uh, are all different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like people were not inspired by revision to only do the same thing, which was good. Um, <laughs> what, but, what if everybody just made exactly the same game as yeah. last year? It's just a new version. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we have had problems with with you know sort of repeating things in the past, though. Like my my first year, whenever I was still an undergrad participating, like that we got like six games that were all uh related to human trafficking <laughs> it was just like everyone's in the same project domain or problem domain because like that was really pushed which i think is part of the the advantage mm-hmm. of a theme like what we do now mm-hmm. with uh you know revision this year anyway but yeah I, I'm, I'm happy with things are going but like i said it's early so none of the fires have happened yet i'm sure two in the morning i'll be running around uh, yeah good luck because I, I will not be here at two in the morning yeah. i have a nice thing about being faculty and not a grad student i'm going home and going to sleep i'll come back tomorrow yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm sure i'm sure all the messes will will happen people will realize that the scope that they set out was too big and all that that's the fun that's a it's a learning experience i mean what's fascinating about this to me is like Yes, it's a silly vibe, you know, kind of, but but effectively, this is just a weekend of doing extra homework. Yeah, it kind of is. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah but, it for, but it's a fun homework project. Yeah, yeah. So. It can be, at least, yep. if, if people lean into it. Yeah. All right, well, thank you. Of course. And, we'll, and I'm going to go see what some of the people are presenting, and yeah. we'll talk to you soon. Okay, I have joined another group, so tell me who you are first, and that way we at least know that. Oh, I'm I'm Jaden. Jaden. Hi, I'm Gray. Great. Hello. I'm Noah. Noah. And I'm Alex. And our missing man is Colin. Okay. He'll show up one day. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully before we're done, he'll wander in. But okay, so tell me, what do you, what did you guys build, or what are you in process of building? We are in the midst of. Uh, we are how many hours into this? Two minutes. Twenty three. 23 and change. So we are doing for our submission a psychological horror-based uh, text adventure. Um, how would you guys describe the monster in this incomprehensible? <laughs> my favorite word. Eldritch. Johnny Bravo. Just like the representation of like anxiety right that's like a yeah, yeah yes. that, that's um, the theme that we're going for the horror here is um about anxiety mental illness mm-hmm. um and the monster is uh kind of stand-in for that the monster is a stand-in for okay so it's a text-based adventure which um I think it's cool because we one of the things that I wanted to point out to the listeners is that we're doing all kinds of different games so you guys have that and how much of the monster is described? Um, very Almost little. None. Almost none. There are a couple little hints that um, kind of give you like an impression of what it might look like. Mm-hmm. Like we know it has a mouth. Uh, we know it's capable of slithering, and we know um, 
that it has a very kind of inhuman voice that's like kind of like static mm -hmm. uh, that you can hear in your head, but the rest of it is meant to be up to the reader's interpretation. Mm -hmm. We find that uh, less is best when it comes to this kind of horror. And I found it interesting, so when I first came in here before, you told me you guys are using Twine, which is a platform, it's a, a framework that you can build games in. And I'm wondering what challenges did you find unique to this? Because because I, I know that it's actually a lot trickier than probably people think. It's, it's not just writing a story. <laughs> um, well, speaking on my uh, behalf, um, I'll leave the uh, coding of Alex. <laughs> but, um, I think because we don't have an artist, uh, it's been a little bit difficult to kind of convey uh, you know, the images that we're trying to describe, mm -hmm. as well as the environments. Um, like, if we had an artist, I would probably say that we would have hand-drawn backgrounds mm -hmm. uh, to show, like, the setting. Um, but I'm trying to figure out workarounds with that, and I'm trying to use um, stock photos, but pixelating them so they kind of have, like, an 8-bit uh, weird, grainy feel. So there is a visual feel to it. I mean, you've got... you. Even without having someone who, I, would, I wouldn't say you don't have an artist. I would say you don't have someone whose job is primarily art. You are being the artist. You're all being the artist. So you are trying to still come up with a visual theme to it so that you feel like you have a cohesive experience. Yes, that that's exactly right. it. <laughs> yeah, we got the sound, though. The sound is great. Oh, yeah. Um, music. I want to know about that. So I'm going to move over over here. Is it going to play? So you, you did this... Um, Early on, right? Like, yeah. So, for so just to reintroduce myself, I'm Noah. I'm the primary composer and sound designer for this game. Mm -hmm. So I wrote all the music and all of the and most of the sound effects that show up. I designed them basically. Mm -hmm. So yeah, basically from from square one, like once we heard the theme, once we decided what we were doing, I kind of just started writing up ideas for what we were going to do because we knew pretty early on we were going to do a horror mm -hmm. idea. I mean. Back when we had formed a team, our basic idea was we can do a visual novel or a horror mm -hmm. style game. So I already had an idea as to what I was going to try to do. And then once we figured it out, the, we kind of looked at inspirations. Uh, I know Gray showed me some stuff from Halloween, I think. Halloween, the movie. Yeah, yeah, to get an idea as to the kind of feel that we were going for, for like a chase theme. Mm -hmm. But I will say the most difficult part of this was cutting everything down for size. What do you mean? So since so in a plat if we were doing a platformer, I would have like a minute and a half long song that just like loops mm -hmm. because there's more I can do with that. But with a text adventure game, you want to have song. I wanted to have songs for different scenarios mm -hmm. because we have different scenes, we have different rounds, and I wanted to have a theme for e for each. And we and I needed to get all the information I wanted to in as in a short amount of time as possible because some readers some people are faster readers some people are slower and we wanted to make that work mm -hmm. you've created a lot of extra content though i think right yeah i created a few i created just a bunch of stuff and then whatever worked we used and whatever doesn't work will be available later as a band camp album <laughs> yeah we want to make kind of like a soundtrack for this so people can download that sounds like a cool idea it will be on the h.io page if anyone's interested and i want to know a little bit about so, part of it's obvious, but I uh, talk about it explicitly. You know, since we're doing this thing about social gaming, and you guys chose you you guys chose a mental health issue as opposed to you know environment or something. So why? 
Um, it felt more obvious, honestly. It's more I, obvious. Yeah, it felt like once we decided that we were going to do a horror game and we heard about the theme, mm-hmm. it just kind of fell into place, I think, at least for me. Um, well, I when I was like thinking about like uh, what kind of game I wanted to do, I did want to do something horror-related because mm-hmm. I think that's my main strength as a writer. Okay. And I was trying to like think, like, how could we kind of like take like a supernatural monster chasing you through a house? How could we like apply that <laughs> to like a social issue mm-hmm. or something that someone would find scary, but for different reasons? So using the monster as kind of like a metaphor for mental illness uh, felt like, like he said, the obvious route. And it also felt like um, there was a sort of broad appeal to that. So the way we have it described, uh, the monster, like what it says to you because there is dialogue, uh, we feel that that could like be interpreted in so many different ways. So uh, each player, I think, would have um, a different experience playing this. I think it has the chance to mean a lot of uh, different things to different people. Sounds cool. I'm excited to see this. And I've seen a little bit of it. You guys gave me a little demo earlier, so I'm looking forward to it. And this will be on the site when we're all, when we're all done. So everybody can listen. Thank you. Awesome. Show it off. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, so now I am talking to Dmitry Babachenko, who is another professor here at Pitt. And you are... In the, I guess we call it Sky here. The, the, yeah, the School of Computing Information. So, and you are one of the professors here. And in particular, Pat mentioned you earlier in the earlier segment, but you started this entire endeavor. Yeah, so it was, uh, it was kind of an interesting story. It almost started as a joke. What happens when a pharmacist and a computer scientist <laughs> walk into a bar? So um, basically, I'm friends with two very good colleagues from the School of Pharmacy. I used to have a secondary appointment in the School of Pharmacy, so I used to teach a data analytics class there. Mm-hmm. And I collaborated with these guys a lot. So Dr. Uh, Ravi Patel and Dr. Victoria Grieve are two of my colleagues. And one day, one day we were just basically drinking beer and talking about games. And <laughs> the conversation kind of came around. Well, you know, we're doing a lot of health-related projects. We're doing a lot of work with... Uh, health-related projects with beer. With beer <laughs> and games. So, yeah, exactly. And we were talking about how games should be used more widely in healthcare, for mm-hmm. mental health, for education, et cetera, et cetera. So there are a lot of applications in healthcare for serious games. And I don't remember which one of us said, but one of us said, hey, why don't we make a game jam? Mm-hmm. And everybody said, yeah, sure, let's do it. So yeah, back to a lot of students. So like, just make them do the work because <laughs> exactly, exactly. So uh, we named it Games for Health mm-hmm. and just went around and bagged and borrowed and stole money, um, <laughs> you know, raised basically about $20,000 that first year to run the event. Wow. Um, we had a very nice turnout. We had close to 100 students um, uh, in the first Games for Health. And how long ago? That? What, what year so was, was six one? years ago. Six years. Six years ago. This is our f- fifth, actually. Because we of skipped COVID. one year because of COVID. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to do it online. So uh, we didn't have this event in 2020. Okay. And then last year we came back. So this is our fifth event. Uh, and uh, we usually have. About on average between 50 and 75 students participating in it. And we rebranded it to Games for Social Impact because after first year, a lot of students who participated, they had no interest in healthcare research, Mm -hmm. uh, but they came from like sociology, psychology, political science. 
They were more interested in games that are related to those areas. So we ended up rebranding the event and it's open pretty much to the entire university. Mm-hmm. It makes it, I mean, we were talking about that a little bit with Pat. It, it, it's still a social con, uh, a socially conscious concept, but it opens it up a little bit, which probably makes more sense, I guess. So it's been going on for six years and uh, what do you think the, the impact is on it? for students. I mean, because you're approaching this as a professor, like Pat has been on both sides. He was a student when he started and now he's a grad student. So he's like, you know, sort of an organizer. You've always been an organizer. Do you see a useful impact to your students that participate? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So first of all, it's a wonderful portfolio piece for a lot of students. So Mm -hmm. I hear from previous students that they actually use the game that they built as part of this event uh, to get a job. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's an excellent portfolio piece if the game is polished enough. And even if it's not polished enough, you can still kind of demonstrate what you're capable of doing in 24 hours. And now imagine what I can do if you have... You know, if you give Six it more months, time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and then uh, another um, uh, another kind of huge benefit to students. Well, there's several, but one one that's really important to me is that it introduces them to the idea that games can actually be used in non-entertainment environment, and then the skills that they learn by developing games can actually be used outside of entertainment industry completely. So mm-hmm. healthcare and engineering and, you know, whatever education. Um, and quite a few students who participate in these actually end up working for other faculty and faculty research labs. Mm-hmm. Um, at least two students every year who participate in this event end up in my lab. So actually two of the students who are here now, yes. they're already <laughs> working in my lab. So mm-hmm. that's, that's another benefit to students and obviously to me. Uh, and then, one kind of probably the biggest benefit is that they get to work in teams. I think this is where the university falls short in a lot of aspects. So once you go into the industry, there is no way around working in teams. Right. So you have to know how to talk to people who are outside of your domain. You have to know how to adapt. You have to know how to take into account, you know, a lot of personalities, a lot of possible tensions, et cetera, et cetera. So this is for a lot of the students, this is the first opportunity they may have had to actually work in a team. Yeah, well, just wandering around and getting to talk to students who are working on the projects, this is very clearly um, for them. This is an exercise in interdisciplinary project management as much, if not more so than it is an exercise in coding, right? They, they, they know how to do that. They do that every day. That's the, you know, like if you are a computer science student, you are going to write code. If you're an English student, you are going to write papers. You are going to, this is, this is literally the aspect here is, okay, you're in charge of this. I'm in charge of this. Um, I can see them meeting and, and, you know, working with each other and like divvying up work and figuring out, you know, very short term deliverables, but deliverables nonetheless. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I hear them worrying about the scope of the project mm-hmm. and features uh, and features and, and what they can do, what they can do in such a short period of time. And it's mm-hmm. uh, I think it's a very nice experience in time management as well. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's. To me, it's been fascinating to watch these last few hours just because like seeing having been on project teams, having you know my former life when I was a software designer, um, seeing them in real time, just sort of experience the the stress, you know, uh, you know, how do we you know, how do we manage these problems that, as you said, there it's 24 hours, well, 48 hours for them. Um, but it's 
it's 48 hours, but they're still experiencing the kinds of project problems that you would have on a six month or a six year project. Exactly. So, yeah, been, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's been really interesting to watch. Um, the do you find for, um, just from a humanities point of view, this is this is a it's not just a coding project. This is and it's not even just a games project. This is specifically games for social impact. It is socially conscious. It is serious gaming. It is a it is. Do you find that that is a advantage or is it I mean, do, the, do, do the kids see it as a stumbling block to be it, it, it's not what they're going to think you know you can't just come in here and i'm going to make call of duty that is the exact opposite of the entire point unless you can come up with a good reason why call of duty is socially conscious how do they see that or do they it's it's interesting you bring this up we actually had this conversation with pat on the drive okay. on the drive here this morning um and you know he was worried that we may be losing some students because of the kind of seriousness of the games mm -hmm. and my counter argument was that you know, you don't necessarily have to make a serious game in order for it to have some kind of social impact. So like take Civilization, for example, mm -hmm. or SimCity or Democracy. So those games are designed for entertainment. So by definition, you know, they're not considered serious games, but at the same time, they actually have a lot to teach. Okay. So you can potentially design a, an entertainment game which has a social component. So you can design an entertainment game that, you know, while you're playing, it teaches you empathy mm -hmm. or it helps you, you know, if, let's say you have a bad train of thought, like let's say you're suffering, suffering from anxiety. You know, it may be a game that's designed primarily for entertainment, but an additional benefit of it is that it gets you off that bad thought train, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, but but I think the fact that this particular event actually is constrained by theme, it kind of forces the students to think a little more and to approach their design and outlining their deliverables a little more deliberately. Mm -hmm. I got to talk to one of the groups and they're like, yeah, well, we think we'll, we think that we'll hit the majority of our deadlines <laughs> and, and just the idea that they know that there are things that they have to sacrifice, but that's sort of what you do in a project. But also I think it's fun. I mean, at the end of the day, Fitz pointed out that these games are available on the website. You can, and I'll link to them in the show notes. You can download these, you can play them. It is still going to be fun. That's, I mean, it is still a game. It's not just, uh, you know, we're not just building socially conscious software. It's socially conscious gaming. Game. And, and so I, I think that that's I think that there's probably something in the idea of teaching them that you can do both. It's not necessarily an either or proposition. You know, you can be you can do good stuff and do fun stuff at the exactly. same time. Exactly. So. And uh, that's that's one of the reasons why I, I love this event. You know, with mm -hmm. uh, it has a lot of hackathons. I used to participate and I used to mentor for other hackathons. And eventually I kind of stepped away from it because I don't, I don't know because I mean, it's it, like a lot of it is just on a personal level. Mm -hmm. um, I think for a lot of hackathons, the focus is not quite where I wanted to see. Like, uh, I mean, they all, you know, they all teach students teamwork. They all teach, um, uh, they all teach students how to work together, how to, you know, come up with deliverables, all that same stuff, but they kind of lack that fun element. Mm -hmm. And which is why I actually, Initially, I, I always bristled when somebody referred to this as a hackathon. I'm like, no, this is not a hackathon. This is a game jam. And well, and also, I mean, it's we are constrained by the fact that most of the participants are computer science students. 
but it's not even a video game jam. It is specifically games. <laughs> you, you know, you can do a tabletop game. You could do, you can build whatever you want. Um, it's just that you. So actually, there, the computer science students are in the minority here. What's in, so very few students here are computer science okay. students. So we have. Uh, information science students. Okay. So the majority are digital narrative and interactive design DNID. this time. They okay. DNID. The second largest group is information science. Okay. And, so there's, uh, so yeah, there's, and a, there's a lot CS, of variety there. And CS is in the minority. Uh, That's unfortunately, this year, the um, you know the diversity is not quite what I was hoping it would be. Okay. Um, and this is kind of, this kind of makes me sad. So, um, you know, I went to uh, political science classes, to sociology classes, to um, urban studies classes, and I pitched this. And even though I kind of stress the fact that you don't need to design a video game, it can be a card game, it could be a tabletop game, mm -hmm. it could be an ARG, you know, whatever, okay. whatever you want to build is, is fine as long. Uh, but um, we just don't get too much participation from, um, from majors that are outside of Sky or Dinit. Okay, so... That's something we should probably work on. I mean, not that they're obviously I love our students. That's why I'm here, <laughs> you know, you know, but but I mean, that would be one of the things that um, I think I think that the DNID program, I know because I work there, but also I think in general, one of the nice things about socially conscious computing is that we are trying to push that as a thing, whereas Maybe in other humanities, since we're always thinking about that, we don't think about you know pushing the gaming aspect of it. So, so hope so. Hopefully, as the event grows, it becomes less of a hackathon. <laughs> Again, and it's it's weird because I don't think either of us want to like sort of diss the idea of hackathons. They can be fun. I've gone to them, <laughs> you know. You know, but, but it's, absolutely. But but it's like the, I think what's interesting is that this can be something more, something different, um, which hopefully. Well, I mean, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what the final products look like and to playing them, which is because I think that's the the ultimate end goal is that at the end of this, we end up with a bunch of fun toys, right? Like that, that are also which, useful, you know, which so, you know, we, Jess and I, we've been uh, we started having conversations with uses, the University Center for Inter International Studies mm -hmm. uh, about leveraging game based approaches to cultural preservation. Um, to attract a wider variety of students to these types of events and to these types of projects. So hopefully next year, um, you know, I, I have high hopes for for having a larger event that would involve um, a lot of students outside of Sky and Dinid. Okay, sounds good. Yep. All right, this is exciting. I am looking forward to it. Thank you for talking to us, and I'll see you out there on the floor. Yep. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. Okay, I have another group. What are your names? I'm Marky. Okay. I'm Magda. I'm Emily. I'm also Emily. That's confusing. And I'm Roy. <laughs> and I went, I'll just be EJ. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, what is your basic game concept if people had to? Well, um, basically it, the, the general idea is that um, we have this character that goes through three different events and it's the game focuses on the idea that we, a lot of us tend to ruminate on a conversation that we had or an interaction and try to replay it over and over again and wish that we could do things differently. So they kind of try to rewrite those conversations okay. and they're like worrying about it a lot, but in the end they have to learn that they can't change the past. And so they have to accept whatever outcomes 
there's uh, no whatever magic. the reality of the <laughs> outcomes are. Okay. So yeah, there's a couple, two of them are more positive and one is more like a neutral negative sort of. So there are scenarios. Yeah. There's like, so the first one is them trying to like make a new friend on the first, first day of school. Um, another one is they go on a date and another one is an internship interview. So we, we made it like college age because that's a, you know, oh, tough time for a lot of people. So, <laughs> so what is the okay? So, what kind of game is it? Is it is this like is it like a role playing game then, or is it action? How, how does it work? Or it's kind of like a role playing game uh, that also has more of a choose your own adventure feel. Okay, yeah. I like choose your own adventure. Yeah, the the revision theme like comes into play because after you see these frames and some dialogue that happens in the original scene you kind of move around a, like a page in a journal and okay. get to change some of the words. You move around a page in a journal. What, what, what is this? So the, you mean visually, I'm just trying to... Yeah, uh, visually, there's... You're a, you're a little sprite that just... A little like, doodle yeah. that moves around. Well, that's and, neat. In your own, like, diary. Yeah. So you get to try to change the past. You get to see an outcome. Oh, so do I get to see the diary? Like, I get to see, like, the, yeah, what I wrote? you get to see the story in front of you. Yeah. And you get to try to change some words. That's and cool. that's more of in like a poem format, the way that they write in their diary. That's very cool. Yeah. Because it's more of an emotion than a story to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, so if you had to sum up the theme of, I guess the question is always going to be, it's supposed to be some kind of social issue. What is your issue? I think, I think, yeah, like ruminating and, and being and worrying too much worrying. about okay. what you anxiety how you act in the world okay. yeah That's good. Uh, <laughs> being in uh having conversations in different scenarios where you feel like you have to be more than yourself okay the general theme of revision pretty obvious on yours because it's yeah. literally doing the same thing over and over again so <laughs> i think you nailed that one and then it, it builds into the idea of acceptance that you have to just know that the past is the past. It is what it is. And the only thing you can change is the future instead of trying to change what you remember. What are you calling it? What's the game called? We don't have a name yet. We'll have a name <laughs> tonight. Yeah. That's very cool. I like, I, like it. I like it as an idea. I'm you know curious to see it. What is your platform that you're developing here? Uh, we're working with, well, we don't know the pronunciation. We call it Godot, which is similar to Unity. Yeah, G-O-D-O-T. Yeah, yeah. I, think it's, I think it's actually called Godot, but I'm not actually... We've I, heard Godot. I mean, it would be... So, it's spelled like Godot. I call it Godot because I... Because of Godot, the person. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think of it because of waiting for Godot. Yeah, waiting, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so is that, that that's your sprite? Yeah, we have a little. See, uh, she's a, she looks like a little doodle. She's see through, and so whenever you have um, like a little uh, like a little writing in the background, mm-hmm. she'll be able to fly right over it, like she's a pencil drawing. Oh, and she can just go wherever she wants. Okay, so do you have your background? Because I'm, I'm curious if it's going to look like a journal. Will my final game look like like my diary? Like, will I have be able to have like little lines where I, it looks like I wrote on them? Or yeah, oh, who's your artist? Your right. Oh yeah, uh, we still have to get the background though because that's the main thing that we're we're using the text mm-hmm. for that as the background. But um, after 
each like time you choose, they have uh, like a little like sh- like dr- like it's like someone doodling in a journal, basically. Mm-hmm. So it's a very like quickly like chicken scratched out drawing of what resulted from the situation that the person created. And it's like, it's very like exaggerated ones in a way. Because Mm -hmm. it's in their head. It's in their head. And so it's like, it's got like, it's got a paper texture on it. It's it's got like, there's lines and stuff in the back of it. It's like, got like, it's like, there's like black, blue, and uh, red like pens on it for line art. And then like, it's like very like faded markers that they like colored in like super messily out into the scene. There's been an idea that as we continue revisions, it gets more messy. I like that. And, like, darker, possibly. It kind of depends on, like, how much time we have. That is always... That, you, you are not the only group that says it. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a thing of stretch goals when you're doing, when yeah, you're doing something yeah. like this. You have a base concept, and then you try to get it as close as you can. Well, best of luck. I look forward to seeing it. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay, so, what's your name? Aiden. Aiden Brew. Okay, Aiden. You are the first person that I've talked to that did this by yourself. You, you have this. We, we offered people the opportunity to do teams of one to five, and you are a team of one. That I. Why? <laughs> Why make this decision? So that requires some background. I was. It was mentioned on opening night that there was a sim coach internship mm-hmm. that some of our current contestants had participated in. Yes. I was part of the level below that, the sim coach apprenticeship. Okay. And for a much shorter span of time, you were in teams of four, and you made two games each over the course of two weeks after two weeks of training. Okay. A couple of those apprentices are here at Pitt, and I was wondering if I could bring some of them in, mm-hmm. and I got last-minute dropouts from a lot of them, unfortunately. Ah, so you, so you so, and then rather than not do it at all, you said, I'm, I'm going ahead. I'm, yeah, I'm just full steam, full steam. By yourself. Okay, well, and you, and you worked... How, how did you work all the way through the entire 40 hours? Or did you just leave? No, I value my <laughs> mental health. Uh, so I did go to sleep at some point last night. Um, I, just, I think probably around 12 o'clock after working on and off mm-hmm. from, I'd say, maybe 10 o'clock in the morning to then. Uh, so I got decent progress. It helps that I was, I was able to artificially limit my scope. Okay. Because I knew I was one person and I knew I couldn't do all the things that I'd want to do. That's very smart from so, a design point of view. That actually reminds me, I need to make a quick change to the thing I submitted. <laughs> Anyways, um, I knew I was limited. Mm-hmm. So I knew, all right, what am I focusing on? Telling a good story. Mm-hmm. What can I use to tell a good story? Twine. Okay, so you did twine. Point, yes, because awesome. I knew I wouldn't need a lot of stuff that Unity has or Pygame has. I wouldn't need that stuff to okay. do what I was trying to do. So did you build a text-based adventure entirely? For our listeners, um, Twine is a tool primarily used for building. It's more complicated. It's simply mostly choose-your-own-adventure type style games. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, so that's essentially what I made. Okay. And it has a branching story. Um, I mean, do you want me yeah, to? Tell me about the concept, please. So I can sum up the game concept in two words. I came up with the two words as I was working my way through the opening night. I had jotted down some ideas and I was making some progress and then they came to my head and I couldn't get them out. Those words are literally 1984. 1984 as in the... As in uh, the novel by George Orwell. Okay. I have just created a gamified version of 1984. That's... 
kind of awesome. Okay, so... Because the theme is revision. Mm -hmm. And the little journalist monkey in my brain, who forced me to be on the high school newspaper for two years, said, journalistic integrity, do it. Okay. So that's what I moved forward into. So this is kind of smart, because so if I'm guessing, and you're, you're a team by yourself, so if you say you're making a gamified version of 1984, this means that you can just download from Project Gutenberg for free in its entirety. Is that what you did? Uh, <laughs> it's not quite Ingsoc, and it's okay. not quite, um, oh God, what was the name of like the language they were trying to use? I can't remember in this yeah. moment, but like, it's the basic idea of totalitarian state control okay. of the media. You play the role of like, and that's like in the opening, your role is a bunch of different names, your official government employment form 412-7C, whatever labels you as a mandated information filter okay. human resource. Um, your neighbors call you a gill man, okay. which is short for guillotine man, because mm-hmm. you ask the parts of stories that shouldn't be going to the public. So, okay, so your job, okay, so you're editing, your, your job is you're one of the... Yeah, above you is the writing team. Okay. They write the articles. <laughs> then there's you. You make sure nothing that shouldn't get to the editing team gets to the editing team. Okay. And then you send it down to the editing team, and they get it to the print team, and then it goes to print. Very cool. The only problem is things are afoot. Okay. So there's a mystery. So it's less a mystery, more of a moral dilemma. Okay. What because you start out your week as you would any other week, and you get, as you start your week, you get a number of articles that have entered your inbox on your computer, at your desk, at your office. And you just have to go through them. And there are only a certain number of them that need your attention. It's four on the first day, but that fourth one looks weird. The weather report shouldn't be coming to you. Why do you have the weather report in your inbox? What's happening to your computer? Who is this Phoenix person? Mm-hmm. Why do they want you to spread their message of free? So, all right. Well, this, this sounds really interesting. I'm going to look at the game and good luck as we um, go to the competition, which is coming up soon. Heck yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So, um, solving the event in their region. Authors of the New Age is a science fiction game all about revisionist history. Where essentially, the goal is to spin the narrative in the favor of your faction to thus control the past and control the future. So, on a turn, what happens is the event card is drawn. So, this one is associated with the blue faction. Uh, there is some kind of uh, political tolerance going on. Some political leaders within the world government have been struggling to work together, and this costs zero. Supply and one influence token. So, for example, this every uh, player starts with ten supply and ten influence at the start of the cycle. And players go around and bid, trying to outdo each other to gain control of the situation and thus become the heroes for the faction in history. After eight cards have been played, whoever has the most points gets to choose one event in history to rewrite and thus gain control of that narrative for their faction, gaining a victory point. Whoever has the most victory points at the end of three rounds wins. You can also gain victory points by having the most remaining uh, resources and the least amount of disdain. If you fail to 
bid during any of the events, you gain one disdain. If you lose a bid, so let's say you belong to the blue faction and you don't win this card, you gain two disdain. The total amount of disdain you have at the end of the round subtracts from your point. This one is is an interactive player. That's about it. After three rounds of play, 24 events, you have someone else call it. Whoever wins, whoever has the most victory points, has successfully rewritten history in their faction's favor. So again, rewritten history because now you're trying, you're matching the theme of, revi of revision. Yes. So tell me about the um, dinner chip. So, so you clearly 3D printed all those tokens this weekend. Oh, we printed all these tokens. We didn't have time to get all of the tokens done, so we had to substitute with dice. Okay. So those. Are, okay. So dice are not. Just be cute. So dice are not. Dice are not. Um, are not rollable dice. These are just. These are just tokens. That we didn't have time. Temporary cubes to represent. Okay. And then um, you also get to choose a faction leader to play as. Okay. Each of them has an active and a passive ability. Textbooks. Uh, like for example, this gentleman here, this handsome fellow, his name is Terox, the Ever Living. His active ability uh, allows him to resolve an event automatically if he's the last one to bid, but he cannot bid on the next two events. Okay. And his passive ability, he can remove one disdain at the end of a cycle. So after eight cards are played, he automatically loses one disdain. So he's a very high risk and high reward because he has great potential to be spun as someone very But other characters other might be might, and might be lower with low reward, so more stable but harder to win because you can't So this or disdain the leader of the Crystal Basilica Church can remove two disdain from another player but they have to be paid in one supply to do so. Okay. So they could potentially be a great ally to someone else while also gaining more wealth just by playing passive and of trying to play everybody's buddy in order to win ultimately in the end. So each different faction leader emphasizes a different style of play that also reflects how different like governments and powers kind of function throughout our own history. We chose the sci-fi setting to kind of hold a mirror up to our own world and reflect upon what our past consists of in a theoretical future setting. So obviously, yeah, so very obviously allegorical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The least so it's like so. Does the board have? The board is just a holder. It's a, it's a tabletop game, but it's really a card game. Right? It's really a card game. So, yeah. so this is the active zone where the timeline is, where all the events take place. Uh -huh. And then we didn't have the time to print these, but these would each be the the current player characters' revision decks. Right. We're basically when you choose to revive, revise an event in history, you draw the top card, and it would say. So let's say you're playing as the um, the robot pirate faction. Mm -hmm. One of your revision cards would be something so like, the at the last like second, a, the pirates swooped in and saved the day, so rescuing the people from this great catastrophe. Mm -hmm. All of these cards aggrandize your faction. Okay. So narratively, so mechanically speaking, they're just an extra thing, but it adds more flavor to the world. And the map itself is also meant to show relative stats within the solar system, as opposed to being attacked in battle. Okay. And you guys drew all of that, all of this this weekend, it was just a, using a combination of vector art as well as hand-drawn art, mm -hmm. uh, and we have rendered these tokens with 3D printing. These are just all of the card assets were as well as all of the character boards have been rendered with vector art and hand-drawn. And then you just um, you laser printed them. This is a, we, um, we used the, um, the vinyl. That's exactly what I was going to ask. It's what, what is, vinyl are, stickers on cardboard. Yeah, because okay, oh, just cardboard. Okay. And with electrical tape. And then we also have how to play in the round flow. Mm -hmm. 
the back of each of the boards. Yeah, because this is this has a nice heft. I mean, for a prototype, this has a nice heft to it. So this is just cardboard. It's, it's cardboard with um, vinyl stickers on it. Mm -hmm. And your game board is, is an old Dungeons & Dragons battle map. Okay. So it's like cardboard with vinyl stickers on it. But you're just using as a, st a stock. For, okay. And I didn't mention the best part. After the game has been played, you organize all of the events in history on the Grand Galactic Timeline oh, that's in order to visualize who has the most control over which parts of the narrative. Because we focus all on revisionist history. Very cool. So, you, so okay, so 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 it is a two-sided board. That's, yeah, it is a two-sided board, and it's meant to flip afterwards. That's clever. I like that. Very cool. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So that's just a sample of the students and colleagues of mine from over the course of this weekend. There were obviously many, many more. There were 13 teams in all that competed in the entire event. And I am happy to say that all of the students that you heard on this particular broadcast were some of the winners of the event. The Jammer's Choice, which was the award chosen by all the participants, that went to the game Crunch Time. That was the first team that you heard that wrote the game about creating a video game. The Judge's Choice, which was chosen by my colleagues and I, went to Authors of the New Age, and that was the very last team that you heard, the ones that had a board game where you rewrite history. The award for best narrative design actually ended up being a tie between two teams, the team of Disquiet, which was the team that had the narrative choose-your-own-adventure game where you fought a monster that represented anxiety, and Vision, which was Aiden, the one-man team, where you saw a game based on 1984. And finally, the award for best visual game went to Paper Problems, which was the game designed around a diary and rewriting your day through a fairy that flew around your diary. It was adorable. There were also two other awards for technical achievement, which went to a game called Society EXE, which I did not get a chance to interview that person. And the first Penguin Prize, which is for the most innovative game that really, really pushes the boundaries, um, what we call the first Penguin <laughs> into the pool. And that award went to Logic Bots, who I also did not get a chance to interview, but they were both very, very fascinating. You can find all of the games linked on the itch.io site for the event, which is linked in the show notes of this particular episode. It was a lot of fun. I am looking forward to doing it next year. I hope you learned something listening to it, and I hope you get a chance to try out some of the games. You know, the kids worked really hard on it. I would like to thank all of the students and all of my colleagues for participating and for being so nice as to let me interview you so that you could appear on this particular episode. Next week, we'll be back to our regular scheduled programming. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, all of the places, always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show, all those same places, at Vox Popcast. You can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com, where you can find out what we're talking about next week. I'm not really sure. We're, you know, we've got a lot of shows in the works. So go to the blog, comment on our calls for comments, tell us what you like about the show, tell us what you like about the episodes. You can comment on this episode and tell me what your favorite interviews were. What games are you looking forward to playing? If you enjoy the show, and we certainly hope you do, then please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify 
or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from. And do me a favor, leave us a five-star review. If you leave us a five-star review, especially on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, that gooses the algorithm, makes us more popular, and really helps us out. It especially helps us out if you don't just leave us a five-star rating, but you leave us a five-star review. You just write a little something, something that just talks about how much you enjoy the show and tell me what you like about it. I always like to hear that. It always makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. I would once again like to thank all of my many, many guests for joining me this week. Way too many people to mention right here. I would like to thank Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for our epic theme song, building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd like to thank you at home for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.